The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Let me tell you about who deserves a shot at the United States Heavyweight. Let's hear it. I'm the champion. I ought to know. You know, I've, I've been sizing up guys since I came to the WCW. And I think the one guy that stands out the most, the guy that I think has earned a title shot, El Dandy, I think you're a heck of a wrestler, you're a great technician in the ring, and you're a jam-up guy. Whoa. I don't see any Whoa. reason... Wait a minute. El Dandy has been wrestling in, in, in the cruiserweight division here. Please. He's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestler, but thank goodness sakes, at 50 pounds Who are you to, to, to doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Well, let's talk about some serious how about, the, how about hypnosis? Let's get thrown Psychosis? Psychosis? Whatever, whatever. He's a great wrestler, you know. Hello. Welcome to episode 214 of the WrestleCast. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined once again by my SmackDown Matters correspondent, Miss Didi Jonet. Hey, friend. What's going on, friend? Just trying not to die by popcorn. Oh, no, please don't. We need you. Ooh, I'm here. <laughs> okay, thank you. You got some, wa- or you got some beer or something nearby? I have lemon. No, it's tea with whiskey in it. Oh, okay. All right. Are, are you it's ready? Good. It's It's calming on the throat. Are you ready for the snow? What snow? You haven't heard? You, might, you guys might get some snow. We're going to get some snow in North Carolina. Something well, on Sunday. Y'all keep it. I don't have time. Okay. It gets you in the, see, the holiday is, spirit. We, no, we don't. No, we don't get snow days. And then they finally just started giving us the week between Christmas and New Year's, which means they definitely not giving us no snow days. So, no, I don't want no snow. All right. So you better do your anti-snow dance then. I'll do it. <laughs> and once again, we're joined by the WrestleCast broadcast journalist, Magnum Prime. What's going on, Greg? What up? I must say, I will need some of that whiskey as well if the snow hits my area, which there's a good chance it might. And my ass will be at home on a Monday. Chilling with his feet up, waiting for Monday Night Raw. Yes, sir. <laughs> Well, I'm glad both of you guys can join me this week once again here on the WrestleCast. The WrestleCast could be found on the CSPN. You can find the CSPN on the web at www.cspn.us. So this week's news is unfortunately some very, very sad news as we have uh, two deaths in the wrestling world this week. Uh, The first one would be the Dynamite Kid, Tom Billington. He passed away at age 60, uh, most notable for his years with David Boy Smith. They made up the British Bulldogs. Uh, Before that, though, he changed the game of wrestling with Tiger Mask as they went all around the world, putting on their great matches from the Tokyo Dome to Madison Square Garden in the early 80s, um, just, you know, bringing the cruiserweight style the light heavyweight style as as it was called back then to the forefront Um, personally i wasn't a big fan of the wwf back in the day as a kid but i really liked the british bulldogs because of the dynamite kid everything he did was intense it looked like it hurt he was small but he was strong i just really loved the dynamite kid so it was really uh you know, shocking when I looked at my Twitter feed and it was like Dynamite Kid passed away. I'm like, wow. Gee, any memories of Dynamite Kid uh, growing up, uh, watching British Bulldogs or maybe even some stuff before that? As a as a kid, it was with the, the Bulldogs. That's how I, 
I, I primarily remember him, but um, coming into uh, teenage years and adulthood, you go back and you see some of the stuff that he did with Tiger Man. Dude was just, he was like a, the human version of the Tasmanian devil. I mean, he was he was just everywhere. You could do a bit of, of anything, and the guy was fearless. Uh, he, his body kind of paid for it in the end, but he was a, a hell of a performer. Yeah, uh, he uh, got injured uh, doing a simple, um, you know, just leaping over a guy when um, Bob Orton dropped down, to, you know, to do the step over when they crisscrossed the ropes and his, uh, he herniated two discs in his back and that basically ended his WWF run. Um, they gave up the titles to the Hart Foundation and uh, he was out of the company after that. So a uh, big loss for, you know, the WWF. He'll definitely, I know, touched a lot of kids because if you grew up in the 80s, the British Bulldogs were a really big thing. And the other for death sure. was uh, Larry the Axe Henning. He passed away. He's the father of Kurt Henning, grandfather of Curtis Axel. Um, a little bit before my time, when I was uh, watching the end of the AWA, he was still kind of hanging around with Kurt Henning when he was the champion, kind of watching his back more in like a manager role than an active wrestler. But if you hear the old timers talk about it, you know, he was, you know, a really good performer, Really, you know, nice guy outside of the ring, but, you know, really on top of his game inside of the ring. So, you know, two icons of the business passed away this week. Always sad news when we have deaths in the wrestling business. So we'll try to transition out of that into Monday Night Raw from Houston. But um, the ratings, they're the ones that may be dying a slow death here as Monday Night Raw reportedly had its lowest rating in 20 years this past Monday. So let's find out why the show was so bad. Ronda Rousey and Natalia, they first start off the night against Tamina and Nia Jax. The riot squad arrives and they're carrying a table and they cause what? A distraction. So Nia Jax and and Tamina take immediate control. They slam Ronda Rousey into the steps. The riot squad kick Natalia's ass at ringside. Ronda Rousey rolls back in. She gets double teamed right away. The riot squad puts Natalia through the table, and that causes a disqualification. So they try to start off hot with some ECW right off the bat with the women's (laughs) division. Didi, your thoughts on Natalia taking another ass whooping on the behalf of Ronda Rousey? I just don't understand why Natalia is helping Ronda with Tamina and Naya when Ronda should be helping Natty beat the Riot Squad's ass because they disrespected her dead father. Where's the priority here? What are we doing? Didi Jone is available for quality control, WWE. Hire me. I'm here. Ready, willing, and able. That's on Twitter. You can follow her at Didi Jone. DM her. She's available. Bliss talks about being in charge of the women's division. She promises to work hard, but last week's open forum didn't go well, so we're going to try it again. She brings out Sasha and Bailey. Bailey asks, how long do they have to wait before they get jumped this week? Alexa apologizes and says she reprimanded Dana, Mickey James, and Alicia Fox. The first question is about Sasha Banks using Bailey. 
Sasha says Bailey wasn't supposed to find out that she's going to stab her in the back. Right, Graves? Banks says that they will be tag team partners for life. Then they are asked who they like to face, and they say Trish and Lita at WrestleMania. They are asked about superpowers they'd like to have, and Bailey says that she'd like to make Alexa Bliss disappear. The next question is what changes they would bring to the, to the women's division in 2019, and Bailey says they want to be the first women's tag team champions. Dana, Mickey James, and Alicia Fox do arrive. Alexa Bliss reprimands them, and then she books Mickey James and Alicia Fox versus Bailey and Sasha Banks. So, Didi Jonay, we finally gotten here. They finally acknowledged the women's tag team title division. What are your thoughts? I need titles before I trust them. But that's just me being doubtful. If it's right, then I'm very happy. And hopefully shenanigan won't happen in like, I don't know, Alexa and Mickey James will be the first tag champs in the women's division because that would just be annoying. It can only be for me two teams. Sasha Banks and Bailey mm-hmm. or Asuka and Naomi. They gotta have the baby face champions to be the first ones. Those are correct, but when does the WWE do the correct thing? This is true. Not often would be the answer. So there you go. I understand why you're skeptical about this uh, situation being played out the correct way. Mm-hmm. We get to our match: Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Mickey James and Alicia Fox. Sasha locks on the bank statement, but Mickey James makes the save. Sasha fights her off, but Mickey fires back with a head kick and she covers up for a two count. Bailey takes out Alicia Fox and Dana. Bailey then tags in. We get the backstabber into the Bailey to Belly and Sasha Banks and Bailey get the win. Alexa Bliss walks backstage and Rhonda arrives to yell at her. Bliss sent the Riot Squad home and we'll deal with them next week. Ronda wants revenge on Tamina and Nia Jax, and will find a tag team partner to do so later in the night. Baron Corbin, he meets with Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. They want a rematch with AOP for the titles. Corbin says that they can have a shot if Bobby Roode beats Drake Maverick tonight. Gable and the AOP are banned from ringside. So Didi's fave, the Lucha House Party, mm. all three of them are going up against Scott Dawson. They double-team Dawson. They take out Dash at ringside as Scaliso hits a dive. We get a high cross by Lince Dorado. Grand Metalik tags in and hits a senton after Kalisto, Salida Del Sol, and the Lucha House Party. You get the win. Okay, let's take a pause and just have a moment of remembrance for what used to be the revival and their greatness. Oh, man. It's pretty rough. It's super rough. Did you see um, <laughs> there was a tweet earlier like um, from the revival that was no from the Young Bucks that was like, hey, one day we're going to be wrestling the revival <laughs> and it's going to make like a lot of money. And then they quoted the tweet with like a time clock, with, like a clock. Like, yeah, it's time. Yeah. Yeah. So if the uh, if what we talked about last week comes into fruition and the revival's contract is up, hey. You know, things could things could be shaking and motivating because Cody and the Young Bucks will be looking for talent. 
if, you know, the new promotion is really true. So Corbin is out. He's um, to run this segment. Corbin says that he will be the permanent GM when Braun Strowman has to forfeit a TLC. He gives it, you know, puts himself over. And then he says he had some help along the way to achieve all these special things with one special person. So tonight is Drew McIntyre appreciation night. We get a video package. Drew McIntyre arrives. Corbin thanks McIntyre for his work and support. Corbin has a gift for him, and it's a special medal. You took out Kurt Angle, so you are now Raw's gold medalist of excellence. McIntyre says that he was just doing what no one else was strong enough to accomplish. When he arrived, guys were playing video games, had no fire, and were retweeting fan compliments. He wanted to make Raw his own image, and he did. Balor likes to think of himself as the voice of the fans, but he's a boy in a man's world. Dolph Ziggler arrives. Ziggler says they had an, uh, an alliance, and he brought McIntyre to Raw. Ziggler didn't see himself in the video package and was apparently not invited. McIntyre says he wasn't invited because he didn't meet the hype requirement. <laughs> McIntyre says he was the brains, muscle, and talent. Their relationship doesn't work for him anymore, and Ziggler's role was to get McIntyre here, and he succeeded for once. McIntyre dismisses Ziggler, noting that he made Ziggler relevant for the first time in 10 years. Ziggler attacks his zigzag and bails. Then Baron Corbin books Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler. So how come we couldn't wait and make this like the main event for next week's Raw? Like build it up? Like Dolph Ziggler attack, he get the hell out of the building because he know Corbin and McIntyre are going to try to do something shady. And then next week, Baron Corbin just makes the match. Wouldn't that be intrigue? Wouldn't that be cool? But instead, we take a commercial break, and we get Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler jumps McIntyre, and then he hits a high cross from the apron and follows with some ground and pound. McIntyre cuts that off with a headbutt, then he crosses Ziggler on the barricade, and he rolls him back in, but Finn Balor attacks Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre beats the count, he hits a super kick, and Dolph Ziggler pins Drew McIntyre. So, that's Drew's first loss. And uh what a waste. Yeah. Absolute exactly. waste of a moment. Right. They could have built it up and made it huge. They could have made that a pay per view match. But no. So Drew, he's walking around backstage, he's pissed. Dolph was never his friend, and now he's his enemy. He basically promises to kill Dolph and says that Finn Balor is a marked man. Didi, it's time. It's time to walk with Elias because he's here. He's been searching around for Lashley so he can wrap a guitar around his head. He knows Lashley is afraid, but before he can play his tune, Leo and Lashley interrupt. Leo says Lashley will dominate Elias at TLC and praises how great Lashley is and Lashley poses. Elias gets pissed and charges Bobby Lashley. Lashley cuts him off, but Elias slams Lashley into the LED board and chases Leo and Lashley away. Yay. Finn Balor then tosses Leo Rush back onto the stage, and Elias gives him the El Cabong <laughs> to stand tall. Uh, Didi, I'd like to have your commentary about this uh, little piece of business here. That was amazing, and I will say props to the to the videographers and the cameramen because 
it seemed like Leo Rush just kind of like jumped in front of Elias right before he got hit. And it was just like, why are you there? Like, why would you come back? And then you see that it's all Finn's fault. And it's just, oh, this is good stuff. Hey, they're trying to do something with Finn this week. I mean, it took long enough, but you know, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers. This is true. Jinder Mahal, he wants to take out Finn Balor for Baron Corbin tonight. Corbin then meets with Slater and Rhino. He says that he crunched the numbers and one of them has to go. He says one can quit and save the other. Slater says he has kids and he can't quit. <laughs> Corbin then books a match between them and the loser is fired. Bobby Roode versus Drake Maverick, which turns eventually into Rude and Gable versus the AOP and Drake Maverick because Rude is kicking the shit out of the Drake Maverick and then we see the AOP beating down Chad Gable. Corbin then makes it a three-on-two handicap match. Bobby Rude hits the glorious DDT and he tries to pin Drake Maverick, but the AOP make the save. They beat down Bobby Rude and then Chad Gable slowly makes his way to the ring. Chad Gable fights with all he has, but he is quickly cut off by double teams. The Super Collider follows, and Drake Maverick tags in, and he pins Bobby Roode. Mm-hmm. So, Didi, mm-hmm. you um, you have to get yoked up by the neck and put on the apron and pee in your pants <laughs> on a pay-per-view. Uh. Then you have to follow that up the next night on Raw and have everybody make pee jokes and have the crowd chant AOPP. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then the next week you come back and you take a man's robe and mm-hmm. you take it in the bathroom and you pee on it. Yes. And then the next week following that, you get beat up by the dude whose robe you took mm-hmm. for like, you know, five minutes. And then yes. your boys come and help you. And then you actually get to pin that dude. Is I that don't a know big that enough? Yeah. <laughs> You're in my mind. <laughs> I don't know that that's that's the deal that I would have struck, but I you know I'm not him. Maybe he was on twelve five live, right? He is the general manager. Yes, he is. Yeah, maybe he was just like it's just too small. Like I need big potatoes. Like I can't, I can't stay here. I need to be upperly mobile. And he took any opportunity. I would have suggested wait for a better storyline. But you know, maybe he's into. Water play or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Gross. Uh, so we get some random dude wearing Riot Squad mask, and they are mm-hmm. accompanying Dean Ambrose to the ring as they're all wearing gas masks. Uh, Dean tries to do his best Big Van Vader impersonation and tries to do the promo with the mask on. He eventually takes it off, mm-hmm. and he starts to run down the city of Houston and the fans as diseased. He takes the, he takes uh, off the mask and says that he was viciously attacked by Seth Rollins. He riled Rollins up, noting that Rollins is needy. Rollins always has to have control and have things be his way. Rollins and the fans are weak and needy. The Shield used to be something to be proud of, but Seth and Roman wanted to be role models. They chant for Roman, and Ambrose says, "Life sucks, and you don't get what you want." They changed. They sold out. But Ambrose has never changed and still has his integrity. He made the mistake of trusting people, but no longer. He's now WWE's moral compass 
and at TLC, he will make Rollins lose control of everything, including the IC title. That will fall safely into Ambrose's hands, and that's when Rollins arrives. He comes out from the back, you know, behind the uh, the stage or whatever, behind the guys surrounding the ring looking for him to come down the ramp. He takes out the right uh, squad guys, and he dumps uh, Ambrose to the floor. He takes out, uh, they brawl out into the crowd. Ambrose finds, finally uses the gas mask to cut off Seth Rollins, and he beats him down at ringside. Ambrose hits Dirty Deeds on the floor, and he stands tall. The Riot Squad guys uh, put Rollins back in the ring. Ambrose hits another, another Dirty Deeds. They, and then, you know, they leave the ring. Seth Rollins is all beat down. So they go back up to the announce table. And again, Corey Graves keeps asking Renee questions. She has no answers and gets kind of pissed that they keep invading her privacy every week. Now I apologize for the drastic measures I have taken tonight, but you can't be too safe in a dangerous slum like Houston, Texas. Now, I need these measures not just to protect me from you people and whatever diseases you may all be carrying. I need these measures to protect me from that madman, Seth Rollins. Because last time I was in this ring, I was viciously attacked by Seth Rollins, unprovoked. Well, maybe just a little provoked. Over the last couple weeks, I have said some things just to try to trigger Seth. And I must admit, I was a bit surprised for a guy who fancies himself as the architect, the man always in control of himself, the situation, his emotions, it was pretty easy to rile him up. Because Seth Rollins, the truth is, is just like all of you people, needy. Needy and emotional. Seth Rollins, I want you to look at me, because I know you're watching back there. I want you to understand exactly what's going to happen to you at TLC. You're going to drop the ball. You're going to slip up. You're going to go into a black spin. Seth, finally, you will lose control of yourself, of your emotions, of the situation, and most importantly, you will lose control of the Intercontinental Championship. But nobody worry because your precious, prestigious championship will fall safely into my hands. making their way up the ramp. And wait a minute, Seth Rollins did not come down the entranceway it was from a, out of nowhere. It was a diversion from the architect. And now Rollins dumping Ambrose over the top rope and the King Slayer's had enough. He's lost control just as Dean Ambrose said he would. Well, Dean Ambrose has said a lot of things about Seth Rollins over the past few weeks and Rollins has had enough. And now the emotional outburst by Seth Rollins taking it out on these SWAT team members. Rollins is cleaning house. Seth Rollins has had it. Well, look out! 
And Dean Ambrose just threw the that SWAT team member as a shield. And Rollins and now Ambrose is retreating. Ambrose is escaping. Rollins is giving chase to throw down in the WWE Universe. The fight here at the Toyota Center between Rollins and Ambrose, and it's come down to this. These former best friends, these brothers, Rollins and Ambrose, now trying to rip each other apart. Bad blood is boiled over between these two. And Ambrose now trying to gain the upper hand on the, the Kingslayer Seth Rollins. These two would love to destroy each other before we even get to TLC. And that may happen here tonight. I believe these two men have been through together over the years, and it's come down to this. That crew of guys to, to, to throw Rollins back into the ring. We've seen Dean Ambrose come unhinged before, but what we're getting from him now is next level. Comparing Seth Rollins to the WWE Universe. Ambrose not done punishing Rollins. And another dirty deeds. Did you like the Bane impersonation here? Were you feeling that, Didi? Personally, I love the mask, but all that shit he was talking, none of that really made sense to me. Like, he went from, we were a band of brothers, but then they sold out trying to kiss the fans' ass, but I'm the one with the moral compass. What are you talking about? Is your moral compass pointing south? Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, the the logic of it all is lost on me. And it's like, really, you just sound mad that they still have their hairlines and you don't. Oh. You're trying That's to make up for it with the beard, though. I mean, it's a good beard, but you, we got to, the head The head matters more than the beard. You, like, you have to rectify one. Like, let it go or just don't. But, like, this half-ass, I'm going to grow it and brush it forward so that you don't see that is past my ears, that don't work just because you have a full beard. Like, my eyes still work. I still see your, your double arches. G, uh, as far as this feud and leading up to this match at TLC, uh, how do you feel uh, they're pulling this off so far? Uh, it's going as, as well as it be as expected. I mean, the, the shenanigans from Monday, that, that didn't really do anything for me. I thought it looked goofy with the with the mask, but I mean, it was something that had been building for months, even though, you know, with the turnover at the top with the title, but I think this is as good as it's going to get. All right. So Tamina and Nia Jax, they are informed that Ember Moon will be teaming with Ronda Rousey tonight. Nia Jax intimidates Charlie and they plan to take out Ronda and Ember. Nia says that she will rearrange Ember's face just like she did with a Becky and will torture Ronda ahead of getting her championship back. And then she screamed into the mic really loud. She screamed mine and almost broke everybody's eardrums. It wasn't good. He's Slater versus Rhino. Rhino attacks at the bell and works over Slater. 
Rhino is in control until Slater sidesteps him and hits a neck breaker for the win. Corbin claps for Slater, keeping his job, and then makes him a referee. How rude. Finn Balor versus Jinder Mahal. The scenes get involved and cut off the double snub. Apollo Crews arrives and takes them out. Mahal attacks Apollo, and then Finn Balor hits a huge tope on Jinder Mahal. Back in, we get the John Woo into the double stomp, and Jinder Mahal is done. It was all good for Finn Balor until Drew McIntyre attacks and leaves him laying backstage. Keep your head on a swivel. He was got too comfortable, nothing. didn't he? Like nothing changed. He just told you he is a Scottish psychopath. Keep your head oscillating. At all times. <laughs> it's time for the main event as Ronda Rousey and Ember Moon take on Tamina and Nia Jax. It breaks down. We get a takedown by Ronda Rousey. We get the eclipse by Ember Moon. Ronda puts the arm bar on Tamina and she taps out. And Ronda Rousey and Ember Moon are your winners. Can Ember make the tag? Nia Jax with a cheap shot. Blasting Ronda off the apron. And Ronda's going to get herself in trouble here. Look at this. Opens the door for a double team. Tamina not legal. Going to work on Ember. And this is what Ronda's got to be concerned about heading into her championship match in a couple of weeks when we know Tamina's going to be floating around at ringside. Ronda's got to learn to channel these emotions. She's already been through a lot tonight, but she needs to keep a strong, level head on tonight. Got to imagine more than just her power game, Nia's going to try to use that emotion against Ronda Rousey, trying to draw Ronda out of her element. Yeah, but you know, Corey, an argument can be made that Ronda Rousey may be even better when she is emotional. Without question, you see Ronda Rousey oh. when she switches gears, and anybody standing across from her in that ring's in big-time trouble. Oh, and right. Nia knocked off the apron inadvertently by Tamina, and now Ember's got a long way to go. Can she tag the champion? Going across the ring. Tamina not going to allow it to happen. Oh, and an Enziguri. And now Ember has a golden opportunity. Tag made. Here's Ronda. Here comes Rowdy Ronda. Ronda Rousey, the Raw Women's Champion. Clothesline after clothesline to Tamina. And now the knees. The strikes from Ronda. Look at Ronda go. Driving Tamina into the corner. And Ronda wants Nia. And Tamina said, go get her. Tamina obliges. A little preview of TLC. And it doesn't look like Nia Jax has any interest in taking on Ronda Rousey right here tonight. Nia and Ronda. Preview of the Raw Women's Championship. And tag again to Tamina. An elbow strike from Rousey. Tamina's rocked in the center of the ring. And Ronda. Here's the cover on Tamina and Nia Jax going to break things up. What a shot right in the midsection. And now Ember Moon. Ronda with a kick. Down goes Jax. Tamina still on her feet from behind. Going to steal one. Shoulders down for Rousey. Almost had her. And take down by Ember. Top rope. The eclipse to Tamina. Rousey's got Tamina where she wants her. Time to break some arms. Armbar. Tina, what's Tamina going to do? She's got a tap. 
Samina just forced to tap out. Come TLC. That could very well be Nia Jax in that situation. That armbar looked whack, yeah. Yeah, it didn't look like she was really cranking on it like she normally does. Yeah. Okay. As long as it ain't just me. There was a uh, some John Cena space in between there. She'll probably tighten that up next time. I'm pretty sure she didn't want to injure Tamina because we know Tamina does get injured a lot. So oh, yeah. you you giving her a lot. You giving her <laughs> a whole lot. But I mean, I would just say she ain't used to putting it on it with somebody that that's that size. Oh yeah, okay, we can say that too. But as long as she doesn't hurt Tamina, then it's all good. Because you know Alexa Bliss is on the sidelines because Ronda Rousey hurt her for real. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, she's not going to be like out of wrestling for good like they were fearing like a month ago. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. But that's what happens when you get concussions back to back real close together. Mm, mm. They're, they're being real cautious with people. So, again, on the scale of uh, zero to five, Miss Didi Janae, what would you like this- to rate? This. 0.13 <laughs> the 1-3 being Elias hitting Leo Rush with the uh, Greg you got a number for the scale man it's broken I go with negative one <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is like a one it, it was slightly better than that dud of a show they gave us last week but not by much not by much Oh, and according to uh, some of the publications out there, uh, Vince McMahon rewrote this whole show like hours before it aired. So all that hard work those people do on the weekends that are overworked and taxed to the max. So who knows what we could have got, but this is what we did get. I wonder how he feels to know that if he really did rewrite it, he is responsible for (laughs) the worst show in two decades. Oh, he blamed that on somebody else. Mm. Like, why would you let me do that, pal? <laughs> that was the Monday Night Raw report. Um, it's it, it's not getting any better, folks. So they've really hit a, a a real rough patch on Raw since the Crown Jewel. It's it's a sign that they never should have gone there. Probably they're cursed. They're cursed. Yeah, for sure. So, Miss Didi Jeanet, I'll turn it over to you for our SmackDown Matters report. Okay. Um, this week's SmackDown is in Austin, Texas. Paige comes to the ring, or she's in the ring, for the women's TLC match contract signing. They have surrounded the ring with tables, ladders, and chairs. She brings out the women. Becky's championship is hanging above the ring. Um, Charlotte comes out first, then Oscar. Then Becky, I believe. I don't remember. All I know is Becky comes out last, walking like the man that she is. Becky notes that Paige said they're making history, so it must be a Tuesday. Anytime the man is in the ring, she makes history, and she promises to be both Oscar and Charlotte Flair at TLC. Charlotte says she has picked up the ball that Becky dropped. The fans boo her. Flair says it took one kendo stick for her to beat down Ronda, and it also took only one punch to injure Becky fans boo her again Asuka's like cut all this bullshit you're talking about um she said Lynch already beat Charlotte but Becky has never beaten Asuka she said Becky picked wrong back when she picked 
Charlotte to fight Rhonda because she could have beaten Rhonda. And Charlotte's like, girl, let's get this straight. I didn't beat you. I'm the one who ended your streak. And Lynch says they can't beat Rhonda. And neither one of them can beat her. So it doesn't even matter. <coughs> Excuse me. She signs the contract and she leaves. Mm. So then Asuka and Charlotte sign the contract. And then she challenges, Asuka does, challenge Flair to a match. But Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville interrupt. Mandy points out that Charlotte lost her Survivor Series because even though she did beat the brakes off, old girl, that's a DQ, which means you don't actually win the match. You just win in the hearts of fans. Sonya says that Asuka winning the Battle Royal was a fluke. Not really. They both get the what treatment. Paige's like, I don't want to hear y'all talking no more. How about we just have a tag match? Charlotte, Asuka versus Mandy and Sonya. That'll be after the commercial break, most likely. Back in Shane's office, Miz, Miz approaches him and wonders why Daniel Bryan is his guest tonight. Miz is upset and feels that Shane's not holding up to his end of the team. Shane is like, use your skills and get answers from the new Daniel Bryan. So, there's the match. Asuka's in control. She works the arm. The heels take over and Mandy scores a near fall. Flair gets the tag, sends them both to the floor. Then she hits a plancha on the heels to a big reaction. Becky comes out like the bad bitch she is to sit ringside. Back from commercial, Mandy and Emma still in control. They isolate Asuka on their side of the ring. Asuka's nailed with a knee for a near fall. And then Flair tags back in and runs wild. Mandy pulls Asuka off of the apron and nails Flair. Asuka pulls Mandy back off and then she jumps onto the apron. Flair turns around and hits Asuka in the face with a boot. So it's like, oh, on purpose or on accident. Any, and then after that, she rolls up Sonya, but Asuka nails Flair directly in the face. And Sonya scores the win and Asuka's in the corner like, oh, well, because ain't no tag title. So who cares if you lose a tag match? There's who cares? You kicked me. Fuck you. So that's what that is. John Stewart there. We all will act like we care. We don't. How did you feel about the match? I thought the match was good. I liked the action. Mm-hmm. I think um, Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose called themselves Fire and Desire. <laughs> and Paige, I, could, I could see that. And Paige like repeated it and said, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Xavier Woods must have had that on the playlist. <laughs> um. But yeah, it was a good match, and then I like how Oscar and Charlotte didn't necessarily work together. You know how they always yeah make them seem to somehow work together. But yeah. I like how it was like, oh no, you know what I'm saying? I don't care if it was on accident or not. You put your hands on me. Damn right. That I knew that that would be something that you would definitely be going up for. I'm a big fan of that, especially when there are no stakes. I don't believe in. I don't fuck with you. You don't fuck with me, but let's make sure we really win this match for reasons. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't believe in that at all. Um, not to distract from SmackDown, but I did not know the Dudley Boys were on Impact. I didn't know that either. Oh, no, they're not. It's a flashback moment. See, that's what I'm talking about. Impact is so boring that they do damn flashback moments and have you think of some shit that's real interesting. I digress. Next match, Jay Uso versus Xavier and Cesaro. Um, Xavier and, and one of the Usos work together to send Cesaro to the floor. 
They go back and forth trading pen attempts. Cesaro comes back in. They send him back out. After the commercial, Jay leaps off of the top, but Cesaro rocks him with an uppercut. During the commercial, Cesaro throws pancakes on the floor in the fans' boo. Uh, Jay hits a dive onto Cesaro, but walks into a tornado DDT off the apron from Xavi. Uso goes for a splash, but Cesaro gets the knees up, scores a near fall. Wood suddenly hits the elbow on Cesaro for a two count. Um, in an awesome spot, Cesaro gave Uso the giant swing and Woods the airplane spin at the same time. Cesaro is that dude, okay? He stole Tyler Bates' spot. So what? We don't know Tyler Bates. <laughs> yes, you do. The little British guy from the I British know, mustache. Like yeah, and he's strong as shit too. But yeah, that did look. That does look cool, don't it? It looks damn cool. <laughs> damn cool. He did good stuff. So. Cesaro gets um, Xavier in the sharpshooter, but the Uso rocks him with a super kick. Woods rolls him up for a near fall. Then Cesaro sends Xavier to the floor. The Uso hits another super kick, and this time he gets the win. Great match, good match. How do we think? What do we feel? Oh, that was good. That was real good. Xavier Woods and Jay Uso, man, they were showing out. They don't get a chance to get a lot of shine individually, but, yeah, they was doing it. Yeah. Especially Jay, because I feel like, out of the Usos, Jimmy's usually like the one. Right. So it's nice that he gets some shine. And I know that Xavier is your favorite when he does get a chance to wrestle. Absolutely, he's my favorite. Absolutely, he's my favorite. Because he's somebody he'd be like, you're such a nerd. Let's be friends. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> be like, you did what? You went to, com- like back before it was cool, like you went to Comic Con. That's, that's what you did with your Saturday. Was it fun? Oh, all, all right. Cool. Like, I don't know. He's adorable. Anyway, even though sex tape. I ain't forgot. But anyway. In the back, Kayla Braxton. Hey, I feel boo, like if hey. you're not related to Tony, you shouldn't go by the last name Braxton. I don't it's just like it's I feel like it's very like it's branded. If you're not related to Tony and that name don't start with a T, why is you out here with the name Braxton? But I'm weird. I know. She's interviewing Rusev and Lana. He says he's hungry, but not for food. Uh, Go ahead, Lana. He's hungry for the U.S. championship. Oh, my bad. He promises to defeat Shinsuke and feast on Rusev Day. It's all very euphemistic, if you ask me. But sure. It was a great promo by Rusev. It was fantastic. Lana didn't say like, but like, I don't even think she said one word. Good. She don't need to. Although I do remember when we loved Lana in the business suit. Yes. Oh, those days seem so long ago. I know. But I love that he's like standing on his own in like a damn good speaker. Like, you do that. Um, there's another Lars Sullivan video package. He makes me uncomfortable, so I don't really want to talk too much about it. But apparently they're in a bidding war. Raw and SmackDown are. So we still don't know exactly where he'll land. Hopefully he can go on Raw and be ruined. Just like everybody else is. Just go over there. Maybe they'll figure out what to do with their three hours. More people. Couldn't hurt. Are they missing John Cena? Is that what it is? I don't think it's John Cena. Does Raw need John Cena? Or no, SmackDown don't. I know it's not John Cena that they're missing. I think it's another guy. Samoan guy. You know, actually, you know who I think it is? I think it's Kevin Owens. Yeah, that too. Those two and Bray Wyatt, those three and Bray Wyatt. If they had those three, it would be a totally different show. Yeah, it'd be much better. Hopefully, hopefully, Kevin can figure out a way to come back. 
Yeah. Like, I know he's, like, injured. I know he can't wrestle at the moment, but maybe they can put him on, like, Alexa protocol. Maybe he can be the new GM for a few weeks. Like, something, something needs to happen. Because, yikes. Yikes is definitely right. Yeah. Okay, so, <clears throat> excuse me. The Miz is in the ring for Miz TV. He starts doing the intro, but R-Truth and Carmella interrupt for a dance break. Then he walks to the back. Then is in- introduces the new Daniel Bryan. He notes that Daniel Bryan looks the same, but he isn't the same. He is his eyes are open. He doesn't listen to the people. He said winning is all that matters. And Miz says, "Isn't that what I fucking told you?" Did Daniel Bryan, in a like hippie environmentalist way, call himself woke? I believe he did. He was like, because you don't understand what you're doing to all of the environment. And I saw you with your chicken. All that shit. Um, He said he came to the realization that he doesn't care about the people. He let his dreams take over. He said he has no intellectual peers to have a real discussion with. He tried quoting Alexander Hamilton. The fans give him the wet treatment. He calls him fickle. That's right. You're damn fickle. And you're fickle and doing some dumb shit that you don't even know why you're doing it. That's 20 fucking years old. When I tell you, I was like, you read them. You read the fans for filth. Because it was like, damn. Kind of accurate. Very accurate. Like, big facts. So he points out that he kicked AJ in the groin for the title, but that was one person in one match that one time. He says the people are destroying the earth. He goes on a rant about how the planet will be destroyed because, you know, water bottles and things. Miz says that for eight years, Daniel Bryan painted the Miz as the bad guy. He says he saw through Daniel Bryan. He asked him again if he's WWE champion because he listened to the Miz when he told him that winning is all that matters. Daniel Bryan said it doesn't matter. The old Daniel Bryan is dead. The yes movement is dead. All that matters is that he's a WWE champion. AJ runs out, but Daniel Bryan pushes Miz into Styles. Um, he's kind of like holding on to AJ's ankle. And then AJ gets his hand on Daniel Bryan, but the Miz gives him a skull crushing finale. So because of that, they're going to go one on one later tonight. How do we feel? Daniel Bryan sounded like an evil ass Captain Planet. <laughs> like y'all fucking up the environment. Y'all out here eating this meat, which means that we got to have these animals out here shitting everywhere, releasing methane into the atmosphere. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. Speaking of Captain Planet, you know they're making a movie. The Don Cheadle version? I don't know who it is. All I know is I saw the picture, um, like, you know, like just like the photo promo. It is him and basically his fist with the five rings, you know, earth, wind, fire, water, heart. Promise you it looked like Thanos in the gauntlet. And I was like, what are we doing right now? Hey, what is really going on? Hollywood, but something else right now. Here, here's what I know. I'm going opening weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so. with, with no shame. I'm going opening weekend. And if I can find a water ring, I'm wearing that shit too. Oh, you're just going to go all in. Listen, Gee was the icon. Even though Fearless even though Fearless was the American, I ain't too fine. And he's a ginger. But I, I just missed the Captain Planet thing. I was like 14, 15 when that came out. So my cartoon days it were kind of ending. First one, Whoopi Goldberg, Tim Curry, 
LeVar Burton. Like, oh my God. Wait, I could be lying about LeVar Burton, but I think he was Kwame. It was so good. And then a whack-ass Matiga, because he ain't had no powers. He just had heart. So, I mean, sometimes penguins will help and shit. Like, it was the best show ever for, like, 90s cartoons. It was great. And then sometimes the voices change, and you're like, bitch, I know that's not who it used to be. Don't lie to me. That ain't who I remember. But anyway, they I'm did, definitely going to open a night. They did that a lot in the 90s. They just be, they like, did. switching people out and be like, oh, you won't notice. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, three episodes next. And it's like, excuse me, sir. I know exactly who the voice is supposed to be, and it ain't that. Bring her back. Bring him back. That's who I want. Dark skin, Aunt Viv. Light skin, Aunt Viv. They won't notice. I want you to know that I still find that to be some of the most disrespectful. Like they at least doing Destiny's Child replaced them girls. They tried to find girls that look like the original girls. They made Farrah get little red hair. They made sure Michelle had the same little haircut as Latoya. They wasn't just like, oh, psh, here. Any girls will do. Fresh Prince was like, it's a girl. There ain't nobody care. <laughs> like, it's a woman, ain't it? What's the difference? And it's like, she, <laughs> it is like, I guess it doesn't make sense to kill off him because she's the one who's like related to Will. So you can't be like, oh, yeah, she died in childbirth. <laughs> I got remarried. And it's like, well, why are you still at your house? That's not your nephew by blood. So it's like, I guess you couldn't. But she could, you could have found another dark skin actress. That's not cool. Anyway, I guess it doesn't matter at this point. But dark skin and Viv is always the GOAT. Next, Randy Orton fought Jeff Hardy. I don't care about it. You want to know why I don't care? Because Jeff won. I mean, Jeff lost. All lives won. Oh! Inverted atomic drop. Hardy setting up Orton. Shot to the midsection. And the low drop kick. Hooked to the leg to win this match. Kick out. Just imagine how satisfying it would be for Jeff Hardy to earn a victory over Randy Orton after everything he's still been through. Now Hardy trying to feed off the WWE Universe. Trying to set up for the twist of fate here. Orton sends him off in the back elbow. Hardy's rocked. Not somewhere you want to be oh. in the ring with Randy Orton. Orton, the maniacal mechanisms going in his brain, has got a hold of Jeff Hardy. Drags him out here on the rope. Orton's got a hold of Hardy. Randy letting all the blood rush to the face of Jeff Hardy before driving the Enigma face first. No, don't do this, Jeff. I mean, this this is too far. Jeff. What? Hey, 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 Jeff, up here, up here. Hey, man, I'm uh, I'm at the bar. Well, of course, of course, you know I'm at the bar. Hey, listen, man, I, I got eyes on it. You're doing great. You're having a hell of a match, man. Keep it up. Keep it up. Gentlemen, one more round. Yeah, that's what I like. You know, what the hell? Oh! RKO by Orton. Cover. Orton knocks off Hardy thanks to Samoa Joe. Here is your winner, Randy Orton. But what in the hell was that from Samoa Joe? It was mental chess is what it was, Phillips, and no one does it better than Samoa Joe. Ah, hello. I'm WWE superstar Samoa Joe, here to warn you about the dangers 
of excess. You see, there can be too much of a good thing. And like in most things in life, moderation is key. Now you see, you can make some really good choices. You can choose to have a couple of these, go out with your friends, enjoy yourself, maybe even call it a night. Or you can choose to have 14 of these and wake up in jail. That is if you're fortunate enough to wake up at all. Uh, the choice is clear. Drink responsibly. Cheers. Distraction provided by Samoa Joe at the bar. Yeah. So he's definitely literally helping us this week on our distraction drink and finish game. Big fan of that. Also, I really don't know how I feel about Joe's haircut. It's a little too in my head I feel like Samoa Joe's too good to go to the to like the hair shop and be like, give me a mohawk. Like, give me a give me some give me a slow cut on the side. Like I don't feel like he'll do that. I feel like he'll like cut that shit off. Like cut it off, leave a couple inches on the top. Like anything past that is like you really going and getting styles out here. <laughs> Like, like you're picking photos off the board, like, give me a number seven. Like, are you, are you serious? Like, it's just, oh, it don't sit right with me. Oh, no. But, yeah, so because of the distraction, Joe helps Randy win. Next, AJ versus The Miz. Daniel Bryan is walking backstage, and the Braxton, who's not related to Tony, says that tells him that everybody thought he left. He says everything he does is with purpose. He's not leaving. He's actually going to commentary. Uh, so he's there watching the match. Styles is in control. Miz takes over with a jawbreaker. Uh, on commentary, Byron Saxton, <sighs> such a brat. He asked Daniel Bryan what his daughter, Birdie, would think about his actions. Birdie is like not even two years old. So she doesn't think anything about his actions. Just putting that out there. He snaps and says he hopes his daughter kicks a thousand guys in the groin. And she hopes she kicks Braxton in the groin too. I left. He asked for it. He got it, and that was like 30 seconds of some of the best off-the-cuff promo material I've ever heard. <laughs> it was great. It was just, I guess I guess that means Byron did his job, because you're supposed to set him up so that they can knock him out. And that's what happened. So, the Miz hits a neckbreaker for a near fall. He charges at AJ, but gets a boot to the face. He goes for the phenomenal forearm, but nails, Miz nails him with a boot. Then he goes for the skull-crushing finale, but AJ rolls him up for a near fall. He fires back with a DDT for a two-count. AJ then sends the Miz to the floor and hits a forearm. Brian distracts AJ, and the Miz jumps in from behind. Miz hits a skull-crushing finale for a close two-count. Daniel Bryan tries to distract him again, but AJ kicks him off. Uh, the finish comes when AJ makes Miz tap in the calf crusher. I still don't understand why nobody like rakes the eyes. Pulls the hair, tries to choke him out. Like nothing from the heels, nothing. I'm disgusted. Either way, after the match, Daniel Bryan gives AJ a chop block from behind. He rams AJ's leg into the ring post several times. He beats AJ down and slams his head into the announce table. Then he locks a heel hook onto AJ. Then Daniel Bryan holds held AJ by the arm and stomped on his head a good lot of times about like 15 20 times then Daniel Bryan grabs the belt and made the ring announcer introduce him as the WWE 
champion the new Daniel Bryan. Then he got on the mic and called the people fickle. And then he attacks AJ again, kicks him in the head again, <laughs> and locked on the hill hook as they and as they close out SmackDown. Oh, oh wait, come on, hey, come wait on. a minute, wait a minute! And Brian, Brian pulled Styles out of the ring, but Styles fought back. Styles with a cheap shot on Daniel Bryan. A cheap shot, nothing. Brian trying to run interference in this match. Now Styles turns it in to the calf crusher. This is in trouble. And the Miz taps out to AJ Styles. Here is your winner by submission, the phenomenal AJ Styles. So Styles had to fend off the distraction. Of- oh, oh, wow. oh, God, and a chop block from behind by Brian. Yeah, convenient for Daniel Bryan to go after Styles with his back turned. No, 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 no. And oh, into the post. Daniel Bryan wants to make absolutely certain that Styles oh. doesn't make it to TLC at 100% if he makes it at all. Yeah, it, this is what the new Daniel Bryan's all about, huh? Take any cheap tactic, underhanded role you can take to get ahead. By any means necessary, Saxton. Oh, into the post. A remorseless assault from the new Daniel Bryan. Uh, I don't know who this Daniel Bryan is. Daniel Bryan. Oh, God. Daniel Bryan now stalking a wounded Styles. Oh, and another shot to the back of the leg. Oh, Daniel Bryan's got the heel hook in. Oh, my God. He's going to tear AJ Styles' knee apart. Enough. More officials coming out here to try and separate these two. Daniel Bryan finally broken free of Styles. Oh, no, not again. Not again. Oh, and Bryan smashing the face of AJ Styles. Bryan is absolutely snapped. You people don't approve? Fickle. You people don't cheer? Fickle. You people don't love the new Daniel Bryan? Fickle. 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 How do you feel about the new Daniel Bryan? Do you like him? I don't dislike him. I'm not I'm not opposed to him acting the way he's acting. Because, you know, I really don't like AJ all that much. Like, AJ's great, but I'm not invested in AJ as a person. I really want him to cut his hair. Like, I want old TNA haircut AJ back. So, AJ, as we have him now, I can watch him get beat up and kicked in the groin i'm okay with all of that sounds good sounds good what would you rate your smackdown matters this week better than raw um <laughs> that's petty i know um i don't know i, th- I feel like four is giving it a little bit too much maybe like a like a high three okay 3.85 3.75 yeah. somewhere around there three seven five is good yeah all right yeah i agree with you i was gonna say like three and a half out of five mm-hmm the women's the women's stuff was really good in the beginning that triple threat match was awesome 
The Samoa Joe thing was funny. Good entertainment with him at the bar talking about Jeff and his issues using moderation. It's so hurtful. They just not they just put all your business out there as fodder. Well, you know, that's the best way to make it hit home because you know we be sitting at home like God damn Joe be promoing his ass off. Yeah, it's like mm, big facts though. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Kind of like what Drew was saying to Ziegler about you know him being irrelevant and not tall enough and and all that stuff. My Ziggles is not irrelevant, but my Ziggles is probably a little too short. <laughs> Please don't come up short and not support the CSPN. <laughs> Please help us out this holiday season by going over to CSPN.us, clicking on the tab that says Keep Our Podcast Free, and supporting our many sponsors from Amazon, Blue Apron, Wink Ronco, Busted Tees, uh, Funko Pop, for all you nerds out there. So please, audible.com for all you readers out there. So please, this holiday season, give. This is the season to give. So give to your favorite podcast network by keeping our podcast free over on CSPN.us. NXT time. We get the King of Bros, Matt Riddle, going up against Punish Mark Martinez, making his NXT debut. Punishment Martinez of ROH fame is a part of NXT now, so this is his first match. Riddle lights up Martinez's ribs with slaps. Riddle fights off a choke with throat smack. Riddle catches a clothesline and connects on a roundhouse. We get some MMA elbows, and the bro mission gives Matt Riddle the win. As Riddle reaches the top of the ramp after the match, Cassius Ono appears and lays Riddle out with a spinning forearm. Now, as you guys remember, at the latest takeover, uh, Matt Riddle beat Cassius Ono in like six seconds in an impromptu match. So this was Cassius Ono getting some revenge on that. So their story continues. We get a Ricochet vignette. Following the vignette, we see an interview with Ricochet outside earlier today. He says he came to NXT to be more than a highlight reel. He came to win. The title proves that he has done that, and next week, he will defend the North American title, and he's going to talk to William Regal about who his opponent will be. We get a heavy machinery, heavy machinery video package, and then we get an announcement that in three weeks, there will be a number one contender's fatal four-way match for the women's NXT title. Bianca Belair is the only one who has qualified so far, and we get clips of Bianca's win over Deanna Perrazzo at a house show to qualify. Mm. So yeah, this is gonna be fun. Binky's undefeated and mm-hmm. she's getting her shine. So I can't wait to see who the other three women are that are gonna be in this. The Forgotten Sons with Jackson Riker versus Umberto Carrillo and Raul Mendoza. Umberto hits an awesome floating arm drag. He adds a missile drop kick and a backwards roll into a moonsault. The pin is broken up. Raul then takes a big bump outside, and Cutler catches a draped Umberto with a modified leaping knee power driver. So, imagine the dude is like tottering, like his waist is like you know got him teetering on the ropes, and his head is kind of forward. And the mm-hmm. dude just dropped the knee drop like right on his head, and like power drove him into the mat. It's pretty nasty looking. That like they actually could have pinned him with that move. Mm-hmm. But then they did a tandem reverse DDT diving knee stomp, and it gives the Forgotten Sons the win. Mm. Okay, so in the other tag team, the guys who lost, 
there was like a clear Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty thing going on. This mm-hmm. Umberto Carrillo cat is good as shit. They need to like yank him off TV, give him a character, and make him somebody. He he can do a whole bunch of cool shit, flips and all kinds of shit. He's good. He's mm-hmm. real good. Diddy, you were gonna love this. I wish you. I wish you watched NXT more often because I wish I did too. Because I actually, ever since I saw Takeover, it's like <laughs> clear to me that I would love them, but I just. I think the two, the what is it, five hours? Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's 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 no crystal stair, but <laughs> I do need to go ahead and um get into it because I do know that I would love it. So this part right here is awesome. The Belveteen, the Belveteen Dream. He's getting interviewed about his loss to Tommaso Ciampa. It's mm-hmm. quiet, so he snaps his fingers and the ambiance comes on. So everything turns purple when his music starts playing. Yeah. So Kathy Kelly asks, "What's next for him?" Dream says, "People from the internet to the locker room are talking about him. People even talk to Triple H about him. So Dream wins, or as he says, Dream's over. What's next? Leaving Kathy, and with that, he snaps his fingers. Everything turns back to normal, and he walks off. Just the best. Just the absolute best. This dude is so good. I I think he might end up in the Royal Rumble, and he might." get moved up it would suck because we know vince ain't gonna know what to do you with know him, i would keep him right at nxt because he they don't know what to do with him hell like, no. may, maybe they could put him on smackdown and they would do him right i don't trust vince at all hell I, would, to I, would, no. I would let him cook right in nxt for at least another year like yeah. he don't need to move up yeah let mm-hmm. him be the champion and get that experience of being the champion and yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Didi. Backstage, the Undisputed Era, they talk about being excited for next week when Bobby Fish faces EC3. Bobby Fish holds the chair he used on EC3 as he warns EC3 about swimming with sharks. Roderick Strong brags about entering the War Raiders in War Games. They call the Mighty the Weekly, and when Heavy <laughs> Machinery's and then when Heavy Machinery's six month unbeaten streak is mentioned, Bobby Fish says, "So am I." <laughs> And what's funny about that is he's been hurt for the last six months. Mm. So that's why it makes that real funny and snide. Uh, Dakota Kai versus Shayna Baszler with Jasmine Duke and Machina Saphir at ringside. This was a definitely a D.D. Jonay match right here. Because you know you like Dakota <laughs> because she just be like, I don't like that chick. Yep. <laughs> Shayna hits a suplex. Dakota lands some kicks while holding Shayna's hand. Dakota stomps on her head, but Shayna rolls through her next move and slaps on the Carafuda clutch. Dakota has no choice but to tap. The horsewomen then jump Dakota Kai after the bell. Dakota tries her best, but her effort is futile. Io Shirai runs out to make the save. Io cartwheels away from everyone and knows a drop kick to send Duke and Saphir packing. Shayna eats an uppercut and Dakota goes for the big running boot, but Shayna is pulled to safety. Yeah, this triple threat, this uh, six woman tag team match is going to be so fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to be real fire. And I don't even know if those other two girls can wrestle. That's just because Io Shirai, Dakota Kai, and uh, Kari Sane are going to kick some ass. Yeah. I would hope that they haven't rushed it and she can't wrestle, but even if she can't, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable calling them all MMA bitches. They don't need to have a name if they don't earn it. Like, <laughs> 
I'd be the main one. You can't wrestle. Yeah, because you best believe I was up in Brooklyn loud. And I was late, too. Loud as hell. He's got a new name. He's going by Donovan Dijakovic, but it's Donovan Dijak from ROH. We get one of his vignettes. So they're getting ready. Why would he choose that name? They got to have something different. You know how that goes. Why would Dijakovic be different? Oh, because that's his real name. Probably. Oh, yeah. That sucks. The champ. That name is stupid. (laughs) The champ, Tommaso Ciampa, he makes his way out to the ring. He gets promo bashing the fans for still not accepting him as the NXT champion. He points out to individual fans and Marvel Nalo for not believing in him. He says his reign will go down as the best in history. All his bragging is interrupted by Aleister Black. Alistair says that he absolved Johnny Gargano of his sins, which were created by Ciampa. He will now absolve Ciampa because he's evoking his rematch clause for the NXT title, and he's doing it at TakeOver Phoenix. Then here comes Johnny Gargano. He tells Alistair Black to pump the brakes, and while they argue, Ciampa just steps out of the ring and just stands on the apron. Gargano says their feud is over when he says it's over. Mm. Champa says he loves when Johnny Wrestling is left behind and Johnny Badass comes out instead. Champa knows that Johnny won't let something go when he's fixated on it, and he's fixated on Aleister Black now. Champa feels Aleister and Johnny should have been in a steel cage at War Games. In his opinion, they should finish it in the cage. Johnny wants the match, and Black tells him that Johnny Wrestling is dead. He showed him mercy at War Games and will fight him anywhere, even in a parking lot. Johnny tells him that that didn't work out so well for him the last time. He goes for the black mask, but Johnny dodges and heads back up the ramp. Aleister Black then turns his attention to Tommaso Ciampa, and he hits him with the black mask, and that's how we end this week's NXT. At NXT TakeOver, I stood toe-to-toe with Johnny Gargano, and I absolved him from his sins. Sins that you created, Puppet Master. And now, now look at you, NXT champion. But you're not really a champion, are you? Now I look at you and I see original sin. Sin that I too will absolve. Because I hereby evoke my right to challenge you for the NXT title at NXT TakeOver Phoenix. yourself here talking about a title rematch okay me and you no we're not finished okay no thank you thank you for absolving me of my sins but this is over when i say it's over the champs saw you two fight at takeover war games and you boys you damn near tore each other's heads off i mean in the champs opinion the only thing missing is it, it should have been you two inside that steel structure. 
and I'm, I'm looking at you two right now, and clearly there is some unfinished business. Listen, this is just my opinion, just the chip talking to you two. If it were me, I would want to finish this thing the right way. I would want to finish it once and for all. I would want to finish this inside of a steel cage. Alistair, I'm looking at you, and I can tell you like how that sounds. And John, boy, I know you well enough. I know that you like how that sounds. And the people here, I bet, I bet the NXT universe, I bet Full Sail wants to see you two fight inside of a steel cage. Oh, this was some good manipulation by Tommaso Ciampa. Ooh, <laughs> this was good. This was Hill Life Supreme right here. Because he went from Aleister Black being like, hey, son, I'm about to get a match with you for your title to, um, yeah, we about to have this steel cage match between Aleister Black and Johnny Gargano. That shit is going to be fire. Good pivot by Ciampa. I don't know who they're going to give him to wrestle at this event, but maybe it might be... Um, I don't know. There's really, I would say maybe a rematch for Velveteen Dream, but I don't think they're going to do that. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see who they set up uh, Ciampa to have his title match with. But yeah, that was a good way to close out the show. Nice uh, main event talking angle for NXT this week. So Didi, do you have anything extra for me this week? Any this week in wrestling or anything else to talk about uh, besides like Moose's awful shirt from TNA? <laughs> it was terrible. It was half sheer. And I mean, up and down, so you know, bisect the pecs straight down. Left hand side fully sheer, right hand side almost like ruffled in blue polka dot. Horrendous. Um, I don't have nothing special. I don't have this weekend wrestling, unless I can look it up real quick. But I will say that um, Melissa Santos got engaged to her baby daddy. Oh, congratulations to Brian Cage. Yeah. Now, I don't know how I missed that that's who her baby daddy was. I think I live in kayfabe so much that I just thought that her baby daddy was one of the little luchadors. Like, it truly did not occur to me that it was big as Brian Cage. Yeah. Apparently, she likes to climb mountains. God, look, I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm not mad at all. Yeah, you know, if it was anybody else, I'd probably want to fight. But because it's Brian Cage, I just shake his hand and say, "Good work, yeah, brother." Yeah, that, that's about all you can do. Ooh, they have a this weekend wrestling from nineteen oh six. We're not familiar with any of those people, but in nineteen, nope, don't know those people. Do you know of a hard boiled Haggerty? Never heard of him. Me either. They were the he was the AWA tag team champion along with Lynn Montana. They beat Joe Scarpello and Nick Roberts. I know who Joe Scarpello is. Joe Scarpello ended up being um a Chief J Strombo in the WWF oh, back in the day. Interesting. Yeah. In seventy three, the Crusher beat superstar Billy Graham on a reverse decision DQ and Rick Flair beat Dave Muir. Muir? I don't know how to say. Um, in 75, Larry Hennig 
be yes. Jim Valiant. Oh, I'm glad that you had a Larry the Axe Henning reference in there since he Full passed away today. Moment. There we yeah. go. And Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant. Good stuff. <laughs> and then Bobby Duncan and Bobby Heenan beat Cosro Vaziri and Kenny J. Cosro Vaziri, also known as the Iron Sheik. Ah. Yeah, Bobby Heenan was like an actual wrestler. Before he was a manager, he was like a real live wrestler. I did know he was a wrestler. That I did know. I didn't know how good he was, but I did know that he was a wrestler. All of these names and nobody I know. Uh, in 1980, Jerry Graham Jr. beat Chief Bobby Bold Eagle. I felt like I knew those names. There must be some. There must be some Florida-ish. <laughs> Uh, in 1986, NWA TV champion Tully Blanchard defeated Brad Armstrong via countout. Okay, my mom, it's the biggest wrestling fan I know, she hated Tully Blanchard because her favorite was Magnum TA, and they had like mm. a they had like a big rivalry like during this whole time, 85, 86. Mm-hmm. And what Tully Blanchard would do, especially if it was like a big, if he was wrestling anybody of significance, right? Mm-hmm. Once they started kind of getting the upper hand on him, he'd mm-hmm. just roll out of the ring and like walk around the ring for like the eight <laughs> count, slide back in the ring, and then walk back around the ring again for like another eight <laughs> count. And that used to make my mom so mad. <laughs> I love that. I, lo- I love bad guy tactics. Um, 89, AWA champ Larry Zabisco beat Sergeant Slaughter. I know those people. Yes. Uh, in 1990 NWA US tag champ Brick Steiner pinned Jerry Sags and NWA US champ Lex Luger pinned the Big Cat and Brian Pillman pinned the Motor City Madman and Ric Flair and NWA TV champ Arn Anderson defeated Larry Cameron who was substituting for NWA tag champion Ron Simmons and his teammate Butch Reed boom Oh, wow. I wonder what was Ron Simmons must have been hurt. But yeah, that was a good um, program between um, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson versus Doom. So, mm. so like, um, something happened. And somehow, like, Teddy Long used to be Doom's manager. Mm. So, somehow, Teddy Long, uh, they lost some type of way or something. Something happened where Teddy Long had to be Ric Flair's chauffeur for a day. So they shoot the angle, right? So, you know, he picks up Rick and then Rick's in the limousine and Rick tells him, hey, you know, I want to go here. He's like, okay, mm-hmm. Mr. Flair. So he's driving him, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so Rick's in the back, you know, he's drinking. So he, Teddy like rolls the windows up so he can't see anything, right? Yeah. So Rick is like, um, he's like, you know, he's not, kind of not paying attention. But then he notices like, hey, this, this road is kind of rough. He was like, where'd you got me going? Then all of a sudden the limo stops. And then Teddy lets him out, and he's in the hood, and he gets jumped by Doom. <laughs> yeah, that was a good angle back in the day. That's good stuff. Okay, apparently today is a really good day in history. I just was back in the old times. In 92, Eric Watts defeated Steve Austin. Dustin Rhodes fought Barry Windham to a double DQ. Big Van Vader defeated WCW slash NWA tag champion Ricky Steamboat. And WCW World Champion Ron Simmons defeated WCW US Champion Rick Rude. And then in 98, and I'm sure these names you will definitely know, the WWF World Tag Team Champions, the New Age Outlaws, defeated D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry. 
the WWF World Heavyweight Champion Rocky Maivia, also known as The Rock, defeated X-Pac via DQ. Steve Austin defeated Kane, Mankind, and The Undertaker in a four-way match. I know the fans probably were shook and happy. Um, so yeah, that was 98, 99, WCW, Jushin Liger defeated Psychosis to win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. Yeah, I bet that was a hell of a match. And then in 2002, Lex Luger defeated Sting to win the World Wrestling All-Stars World Heavyweight title. (laughs) And then in 2012, Devon defeated Samoa Joe to win the TNA TV title. That was a very good uh, day in wrestling, huh? That was real good. We we get we get you the game. I didn't even mention all the Japanese people because I don't know them. <laughs> but there's a lot of Japanese things that happened also. All right. Yeah. So at this point, Miss Didi Jane, it's time for your shout outs and thank yous. Mm. Let me give a shout out to Mel because Mel always gets shout outs and I have been forgetful. And let me start off with her so I don't forget to end with her. I'm going to give a shout out to Jade because she went back to the Tiki Lounge in San Diego where we had all of the shenanigans on my trip. She went, she had a friend in from, I guess, Chicago, but she had a friend in town. So they went back. I was very happy because it's it's an amazing place, the Tiki Bar. So shout out to her. Shout out to all the ladies of the glow. Shout out to my K-pop connect. It's it's a little, I'm getting overwhelmed. I'm going to just stick to my three. On my four, I can't. I don't know that I can go too much further. I think I'm. I'm think I'm okay where I'm at right now. Shout out to um, my friend Courtney. She took me to Carolina Kitchen. I've never been. Never had the food. What are they serving at the Carolina Kitchen? At the Carolina Kitchen, I went to the bar, and so I had I had French fries because that was the cheapest thing on the bar menu. But she ordered jerk chicken wings and she let me have one it was oh excuse me it was so delicious like you know how like grill like you know how like when you barbecue and it got the grill marks on it yeah yes you want to talk falling off the bone you want to talk seasoned oh my god yes it was all of those things um the drinks were good the the chicken was amazing so I think I think I'm going back next week. It was like an invitation that wasn't necessarily to me, but I overheard it. So I was like, I might go back. Sure. So we'll see. Um, shout out to anybody who's listening. If you're listening, if you've listened this far, please comment on iTunes. Let them know you think we are five stars. You know, and if you have questions, comments, or concerns, please let us know because we would love to improve the product for you all. And yeah, that's it. Thank you, Miss Didi Jonet. I'd like to thank you for your time as always, each and every week here on the WrestleCast. I'd like to thank Greg, the WrestleCast broadcast journalist. Give a big shout out to Sam out there doing customer service out here during the Christmas holidays. I know he's doing a bang up job out there. Um, give a shout out to everybody who participates in the live tweets each and every week. I know the raw cast has been pretty difficult, but y'all make it entertaining. So thank you all <laughs> so much. Everybody who, you know, comes out for SmackDown matters as well. Thanks to the glow, all the wrestle bays, everybody who listens to each and every broadcast that we do here on CSPN. Thank you. All of the podcast hosts as well. Thank them. Um, head over to the patreon.com forward slash CSPN media. 
There's a new dark matchup where you can hear Dee Dee talk in great detail about her trip to Germany and how she could have went across all of Europe and nobody would have mm-hmm. checked her ticket and she just needed her passport. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> so there's a lot of extra content up over there on the Patreon page. So please subscribe. And I, that's another way to help support the CSPN. Um, all my New Japan fans, on Sunday, it's the finals of the World Tag League. This is the last big event before the Wrestle Kingdom Tokyo Dome show on um, January the 4th. The major singles match is going to be Kota Ibushi going up against um, Goto, Hiroshi Goto, for the Never Open Weight title. So that should be a lot of fun. The finals of the World Tag League, that should be a lot of fun. So, again, if you're watching New Japan this weekend, Please use the hashtag cast a strong style to, uh, you know, in the live tweet and we'll definitely interact with you. Miss Anwar will be having a new podcast coming out uh, on that World Tag League and previewing the Wrestle Kingdom card. So be on the lookout for that. And on that note for my Smackdown Matters correspondent, Miss Didi Jonet and the WrestleCast broadcast journalist, Magnum Prime. I'm Don DeLaRente, and this has been episode 214 of the WrestleCast. Please stay tuned for the parting promo. All right, we're, uh, we're making history, you said? Well, it must be a Tuesday, because when you're the man, you make history every time you step foot in this ring. And I plan on doing the exact same thing at TLC. Because... Because being put through a table, or having a metal chair bent over my back, or feeling a steel ladder bounce off my skull, none of that compares to the pain that I've endured to get to where I am today. So it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to me if your opportunity was earned, or if you're hurt, I really couldn't care less. Because at TLC, I'm going to do anything it takes to win. And I can't really say the same thing for you two dopes. Change the song. Because it's the same one every week that I was handed an opportunity. Spin it however you want to, to make yourself sleep at night. Here's the facts. I picked up the ball that you dropped at Survivor Series. And destroyed Rhonda with one kendo stick. And I'm pretty sure it took Naya one punch to bust your face open. And I stood right back I'm not again. done, Becky. And I stood so right back up again. Shut your mouth again. So imagine what I'm gonna do to you with tables ladders and chairs. I imagine I'll own you like I already have the boss. No, 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 no. She already beat you. She has never beat me. series, you chose wrong. I would have beaten Rhonda. 
Please sign it. 